you, Kay. That was a very lovely arrangement of that song, too. A little diff more difficult to sing than the normal arrangement. It was good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are proceeding with the uh, High Fashion of the High Priest series. have one more week after this one. The Bells and Pomegranates. Sounds like a group from the 60s, but it's not. It's something that was hanging on the bottom of the priest's um, robe. And then we will be at June 1. June 1, we're going to feature women's ministries, and then we're going to start a summer series called The Seasons Change, which is based on the current Sabbath school lessons. I heard so many good things about them that I decided to pick out about 10 of them, and we'll use them in the summer series. And I have a few people preaching this summer so that you can get a break and I can get a break and we hear a variety of voices and I also want to have some young people up in the pulpit to uh, encourage their leadership gifts so we have um, young Gerard Joseph and we have uh, Zion Scarlett and Mr. Chris Corbett speaking and we also have a, uh, a group in June that comes from the conference that represents bringing, it's a refugee resettlement group. I'm not, not sure how they would say it, but June 22, they take refugees and sponsor them in this conference and put them in Adventist schools. And there's been like 10 baptisms of, through this outreach. So that will be in June. So that's just a little bit of preview of the summer. We're going to uh, give prayer meeting a rest after this week. And we're going to start a Summer Vesper series for six weeks in July and August. Six weeks of Summer Vesper, Saturday night Summer Vesper. So that's just a preview of things going on in case you're wondering, what in the world's going on? Now you know, you see. You can sleep better, eat better lunch because you know what's going on. I've just told you what's going on. All right, so there's a classic sermon illustration. Now Kirby's evaluating my sermon today because I evaluated his talk Thursday night. So, Kirby, this is the ultimate classic pastor sermon illustration. There's two ultimate classic pastor sermon illustrations. One is about the little boy on the beach who throws a starfish back in. Anybody know that one? Here's the other one. There's a classic sermon illustration about a man who lived in a town, and in this town they were experiencing heavy rains. And the rains came down and the floods came up. You ever heard that? And the town people were given an order to evacuate. And everyone needed to get out. But this one man said, I'm not leaving. This is my home. I have a strong faith in God. And I'm going to handle this in a different way. He said, I'm not leaving. God will provide. God is going to take care of me. I have prayed. So the rains continued to come down. The floodwaters continued to rise until the water started coming in the man's house. Six inches. Or what is that, 12 centimeters? I don't know. I don't know the metric system. A sheriff knocked on his door because he could tell the man was still in there. And he said, there's a mandatory evacuation going on and you must leave. The waters are rising. You need to get out. The man stubbornly says, no. God will provide. God is going to take care of me. I have prayed. The rains continued to come down. The floodwaters continued to rise until the man had to stand on his kitchen table with the water at this level height, five feet deep. A man in a rowboat comes rowing by the man's house 
at the kitchen window level, and the boater says, get in, sir. Your house is flooding. The region is unsafe. Let me get you out of here. The man says, no. God will provide. God is going to take care of me. I have prayed. As the waters continued to flood down and the floodwaters came up, the man had to finally get on his roof, or roof, depending on where you're from. The helicopter started lowering down a basket to the man, and the man says, no, no, you don't understand. God will provide. God is going to take care of me. I have prayed. Sadly, the man drowns, and in the judgment, or he goes to heaven, depending on how you want to say this story, it's just a story, he's standing before God. The man says, God, why didn't you save me? I'm a believer. I trusted you. I prayed. You let me down. God says, I sent you a sheriff. I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a helicopter. What more did you want me to do? That, my friends, is a classic sermon illustration. Thank you. Oh, no. Type in man in a rowboat who prays, and you'll get that one. Type in boy with the starfish on the sea, and you'll get that one. Type in pastors who talk too much about themselves, and you'll get a whole lot of those. A whole lot of those. You see, prayer needs to be connected to action in order for it to be answered. Some people think that praying words is enough, but prayer will always be connected to action in this world. You see, we live in this world. I don't know if you're aware of that. We live in this world. We pray in this world, and God answers prayers in this world. And so there is a point at which you must take responsibility for your, your, your faith. Because praying is a call to action. If you pray and think that you can continue to sit on your rump, you're not understanding the virtues of prayer. When God sends a helicopter in a flood and you've been praying, get in the helicopter. Faith is an action verb, as is praying. And as we continue in this high fashion of the high priest, we come to a fashion item that's not listed in Exodus, 26, Exodus 28. Most of what I've been talking about is in Exodus 28. That's where the high priest got his high fashion. But this one, for example, is found in Exodus 30 as something that the priest carries and uses. Almost as we would call it, ladies, an accessory. Like a purse, a scarf, you might say. Those would be accessories. Am I right, ladies? See how this is? Hang on there, Mr. Pri All right, he's coming out early. I didn't tell him to come out, but he's coming out. Come on out. Here's the high priest. Can you say hi, high priest? Mr. Peter has been my priest for a couple weeks. So we've talked about a number of things. First of all, we talked about how the priest himself had to be anointed with oil to make him as a person in his heart dedicated to God. Then we talked about the mitre or the hat, which on the front it says holiness to the Lord. As he approached to God, this was like his, his bumper sticker. This is what we want to be, God. We want to be holy to you. Then we talked about how the priest had to go in barefoot so that nothing of this world came between him and his washed feet as he went 
before God. We talked about the robe of blue, which he wore over the regular priest's robe of white, blue representing the things of heaven. Then we talked about the, the uh, curious girdle, or we might call that the sash. That meant he was wrapped up and ready to go. Then we talked about the breastplate that had 12 different stones representing the 12 tribes. And up here he had two stones with six tribes on each shoulders. This meant that the tribes, the people of God, were close to his heart. Then we talked about the Urim and the Thummim, which were how, ways that the priests divined yes and no questions. Should we do this, God? Kind of a strange thing, but that is what happened. And then today, ladies and gentlemen, I know the suspense has built up incredibly. Here is this fashionable accessory. This is the censer from which he burned incense. Isn't that lovely? Can you go, ooh, see that? You see that? Very nice. Thank you. Can you, can you say thank you to my high priest? Thank you very much. Now, I'm renting that out next Halloween for any boy that's that size. 20 bucks for Halloween. If anybody wants to go as the high priest, you can go door to door and hand out tracts. You don't take their candy. You're handing out tracts to them. Invitations to the church. So in Exodus 28, there's instructions in the making of the high priest's clothing. In other sections of Exodus, we find dimensions and materials for how to build the tabernacle furniture. Very precise. God, had want, God wanted things done in a very precise, orderly way. And we can say, well, why in the world did God want it like this? For whatever reason, he did. And he wanted them to measure it and do it exactly like this. And if they didn't measure it and do it and wear it and say these things in the appropriate manner, sometimes there was uh, strong consequences. But nowhere in the Bible does it say how the censer, the thing he was carrying, should be made. It talks about how it should be used, but it doesn't describe how it should be made, which is interesting to me. So here's one way, oh there you can see the censer, but here's one way that the censer was used. This is the altar from which they had large coals on that. Now if you read in Exodus 30, you'll read a description of how to build the altar. It was this, this many cubits versus that many cubits. You know, a, a builder man like you would probably love to put one of these things together in your, your wood shop or somebody other than me that knew what they were doing. And then there's the altar from which there was large co live coals placed on it. Next slide, please. There is a picture of the priest, see? He's wearing the exact same outfit that Peter had on. Lifting up with this censer in his hands, he would take live coals off of that altar, put them in the censer, and then he would put this very specific incense that had four ingredients that are listed in Exodus 30. This incense could only be used by the high priest. If they use any kind of other incense, it's what is described as strange fire, if you know that story from the Bible. So the incense had to be made out of these four ingredients, and on the Day of Atonement, when the priest went in, and he put this on, he was supposed to create this huge cloud, and he did not know if he was going to live or die as he brought the people before God which is why many people think that the priest had a rope tied around his leg so that if he died behind the curtain, because nobody could go behind the curtain except the high priest, 
Many people think that if he died back there, that's why they had a rope, so that they could pull him out. And perhaps that was the meaning of the bells and pomegranates, too, so they could hear him in there. So that is a good picture, a good description, at least in my mind, and in the person who drew this as mine, of, of what a censer would look like as they lifted up and as the smoke wafted. There's a nice word, isn't it? Wafted. Now, I was, thanks, well, I was going to bring together some sort of incense and burn it, but then I thought there's probably at least one person in here who's got allergies and they wouldn't think that's so great, so I decided not to. So you're welcome, whoever you allergy people are, because I would have loved to have had something wafting. I go to this church because they have lots of wafting. It says in Exodus 16 on the Day of Atonement, it says, He shall take a censer (coughs) full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. So they had to take these ingredients and beat it. And he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. That's Leviticus 16, verses 12 and 13. So he filled this censer with live coals. He put incense on it. This was a life and death thing for him. So what we see is that the priest was willing to take his love for the people because he represented God before the people, but he also represented the people before God. And he would go in with the, the smoke and this incense representing the desires and the prayers of the people rising up to God. Can you imagine seeing the priest as he went about his daily duties, dressed in this beautiful outfit? He's got this urim in his thumb, hidden in his, in his breastplate, close to his heart. He's got these 12 stones. He's got these two stones up here. And then he's got this censer burning. Must have been a beautiful sight. To see. There's an interesting story which shows how important that the censors were and how caring the priest was for his people. So that's what I'm going to talk about now is a story illustrating the censors and the care that the priest has for his people. Because remember, my opening beautiful illustration was about prayers put into action. That when you pray something, you have to be willing to act upon it. So in Numbers chapter 16, there's these two guys named Korah and Dathan. They were both Levites. Now, Levites were men. You have the priests. Those are the family of Aaron. And then you have the Levites who were the helpers in the temple. They did the job around the temple. They were, they were skilled, privileged men. But they weren't priests like the high priests. So Korah and Dathan, this is in Numbers chapter 16, I'm summarizing. They were unhappy with the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And so they took, it says, 250 well-known men to Moses and Aaron. That's a lot of people to just show up at your door. So you got two guys, Moses and Aaron, standing there in their house. Somebody knocks, maybe it's on their tent. Somebody knocks on their tent, and they open it up, and there's 250 Guys, that's a little intimidating. And they said, we're not happy. 
You've gone too far. Why do you put yourselves above everybody else? We're holy too. We're all holy. It's not just you, Moses. It's not just you, Aaron. It's all of us. We're all holy. We all should be able to present our requests and our prayers and burn our censers before God and lift up our prayers and burn incense to God ourselves. Who are you to be above us? That's what they're saying. And Moses says, well, in the morning, the Lord will show you who is his and who is holy and will bring him near to him. So take censers and put fire in them and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the holy one. Is it not enough for you that you Levites get to serve in the tabernacle, but now you want the priesthood also? So it is not Aaron and me that you are grumbling against, but it's about God. It's kind of an Elijah at the Mount Carmel kind of thing. He says, okay, you guys aren't happy with this? Take your censers, all 250 of you, bring your censers, get ready to burn something tomorrow, meet us, and whoever God chooses, you 250 or us, and we'll let God determine who he wants to come before him. So the next day, they each show up with their censer. They're standing against Aaron by himself because Moses isn't a priest. So you have 250 against one lone high priest. And their censers are filled with holy incense at the front of the tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle. And it says, the glory of the Lord appeared to the congregation. And then God says an interesting thing. God spoke to Moses and Aaron and he says, move aside. If God ever tells me to move aside, I think I'm just going to move aside. Separate yourself, he says, from this congregation so that I may consume them. And then the sad part of the story is the ground opens up and consumes all the people who belong to Korah. Fire came down and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense with their censers. Then the 250 censers were gathered under God's instruction and hammered because they, they took the gold from them and they hammered it into a covering for the altar and thus it became holy. So God took what they presented to him thinking they thought it was holy. God said that's not holy, but now I'm going to take it and we're going to make it holy. They hammered it out and covered the altar with the gold that had been from their 250 censers. 250 men and their families all died because they thought that what they could present before God was just as holy as the high priest. It's a sad story. But there's an even more interesting part of it that I want to make sure I note for you. The next day, I don't know why they did this. I don't know if people are dumb or these are different people or they're very hard-headed for whatever reason, the next day the people came back grumbling against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of God, which they had, but I think I would have kept my mouth shut for a while. You have killed the people of God. And God said to Moses and Aaron, move away from these people so that I might consume them in a moment. God's going to do it again. Now here's the part I want you to read. Turn in Numbers chapter 16. Por favor. Is it all right if I read my Bible in church? Numbers chapter 16, 
which is where this story is found, the last part of the chapter, verses 46 to 50. I'm actually going to be reading from a New Living Translation today because I like the way it says it. Numbers 16, verses 46 to 50. This is just after God said, move away from them, like step aside. Moses said to Aaron, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar because this isn't in Scripture now, I'm talking again. The definition of the word censer is actually used three different ways. One is in the King James English, snuff box. Isn't that a funny word? Snuff box. And then firebox, I think, is the other one, and sensor. So it's a, it's a metal container that is able to hold live coals and can be carried around. That's really all it means. So he says, quick, take an incense burner. That's probably the word sensor. Yes, see? Mine's calling it an incense burner. And place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. That's the word atonement. You see, the, the actions of the high priest here is to go out amongst the people who don't realize how good he is, who are against him, and make atonement for those people to be the connection between the people and God. So he says, make atonement with the Lord. The Lord's anger is blazing against them. The plague has already begun. Aaron did as Moses told him and ran out among the people. The plague had already begun to strike down the people, but Aaron burned the incense and purified the people. He stood between the dead and the living. Come on, preacher. And the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died in that plague. In addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah, that would be the day before. Then, because the plague had stopped, Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tabernacle. So it's a good story, but it's also sad. 14,700 people died, but he stopped it before it got worse. So check this out, dudes. Aaron, the high priest, the one being challenged and mocked, saves the people by lifting up his censer filled with incense to God on their behalf. The authority of Moses and Aaron had been disputed by ambitious, well-known men who wanted power, but God showed that rebellion against Moses with their strange fire, or as the ESV calls it, unauthorized fire, was a sin. And so God opened the earth and swallowed the traitors, sending them to literally a living grave. But what is most powerful to me in our focus on the high priest is that the actions of Aaron, hear me now, the actions of Aaron resemble the actions of Jesus. Aaron, as the priest, was the lover of these people who did not like him. It reminds me of the verse where it says, Jesus came into his own, and his own knew him not. These people who were at his door, essentially to challenge him and probably kill him, 
Moses says, grab your censer. Fill it with the prayers that will be lifted up to God and go out in the midst of these people who don't like you and save them from themselves. It reminds me of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Aaron could have said, let them die. But he said, I will run out in their midst. I like that phrase. In John chapter 19, when it says they crucified Jesus, it says they put one on the left and one on the right. And Jesus was in the midst, I think the King James says. I've always liked that phrase. To show that the Savior comes to save people who are sinners, it describes him as being with the people, among the people. The pure in the midst of the unpure. The holy in the midst of the unholy. The called in the midst of those who don't know that they are loved. That's what Jesus did. Can somebody say amen? Can all my young people over here are sitting there, can they say amen? Yes, there you go. Not that young people. These young people. They're talking to us. I'm on my phone. I don't care. This is still good news. I'm just glad you're here. Imagine the life of Christ to leave heaven, to come down to people who did not know who he was. On the night of his birth, there was a few shepherds that showed up. And the angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with goodwill among men. And a few shepherds showed up. And a few animals, maybe. The Bible doesn't say, but we've got to assume there was animals. And here's Aaron, the high priest. The high priest represents Jesus as the true high priest. Here's the high priest filling his censer with incense to rise up to God. I'm praying for these people who don't know how to pray for themselves. I'm lifting up these people who are far worse than they know they are. I'm lifting up these people because prayer has to be tied to action. These are the people that you love, God. They don't even know that they're loved. They're over here fooling around saying, we're as good as you. You have called me to this role, God, Aaron could have said. Forget them. Do away with them. You told us to step aside. Step aside again, Moses. Come on. We'll go with those who know how great we are. But instead he said, no, these are your people. Let me pray for your people on behalf of them for they don't know what they do. Think how many times in your life, I think of my life, how many times I have done not only stupid things, but sinful things, horribly wrong things. And if God had held me accountable at that very moment, I would have been dead about 50 years ago. Maybe more. But God is compassionate. God loves us in spite of us not being very lovable. And that's why I heard you talking about the definition of agape love. Agape love is for when you love somebody, not for the way they're acting, but for who they are in Christ. When you have their best interests at heart and you treat them as Christ would treat them if you were Christ to them, which you are. Aaron was the deliverer of his people. Aaron represented Jesus 
in this situation. You read in Hebrews chapter 9, it says that Jesus is our high priest. It says in Hebrews 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unacquainted with our sins, but he was in every way tempted as we were, yet was without sin. So let us come boldly to the throne. Let us come boldly to his throne where we shall receive grace and mercy. For he lifts up the prayers, his own prayers, to God on our behalf. So whatever struggles you have, whatever challenges you have, whatever sins you've committed, whatever meaningless wandering you feel you're meaningless wandering in, whatever darkness you're in, whatever height you are on, you have a high priest in the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you. And it's not based on what you've done or not done. It's just based that He loves you. That's agape love. Can this section say amen? How about this section? You see that? You see that? Kirby, do you see that? Sermon illustration. How about this section? Mm-hmm. You know, I can... Um, I admire Aaron for what he did. But when I think about what Jesus did, I don't admire him. I adore him. You know that Christmas song, Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. So when I write Aaron down as the lover of his people, I must write down Jesus Christ as being the lover of the world. The friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And it was all in this censer that symbolized, there was no magical power in, this, in the censer, but that symbolized lifting up your brothers and sisters in prayer to God. Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2 says, May my prayers be counted as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands. Come on now, church. The lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. And it's interesting in Revelation, as I look at this, these high priest things, I always keep finding things in Revelation that show Jesus as the high priest. Revelation 5.8 says, when he, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp in golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Incense is associated, a representation of prayer. The great Ellen White paragraph I'll end with this. What condescension, that means what lowering of yourself. What condescension, what a privilege has been granted us. Christ is the connecting link between God and man. As we approach God through the virtue of Christ's merits, we are clothed with his priestly vestments. He places us close by his side, encircling us with his human arm. Moms, dads, have you ever had somebody or a dog or anything come near your kids and you're a little worried about your kid? What do you do? You put yourself between your kid 
in the dog or the weird person, somebody comes up to you weird, hey, can I talk with you? First thing I do is step between my kid and that weird person. Or that dog. Or if the car is going to hit you, you know, you jump out in front of the car. So it says that he places us close by his sight, encircling us with his human arm, while with his divine arm, he grabs the throne of the infinite. So he's like, you know, saving us, drowning. That's the way she describes it. He puts his merits as sweet incense and a censer in our hands in order to encourage our petitions. He promises to hear and answer our supplications. Yes, Christ has become the medium of prayer between God and man. He also has become the medium of blessing between God and man. He has combined divinity and humanity. Perfect summary of who Christ was. Fully God, fully man. In love with us. Sacrificed himself on our behalf so that as we claim his victory, we can live for him now with the promise of living forever. That's our high priest. Father, we thank you that our prayers are taken by our high priest Christ and lifted up to you. And when you hear our prayers and see our prayers, you see us through Jesus who is our true high priest. May our prayers be like incense lifted up. May they rise up in the morning. May they be a sweet aroma to you. May you be pleased with our lives. May our lives be like incense to those around us, adding joy and blessings. May others see you through us. Bless each one here, boy and girl and man and woman. Bless each home and our needs, and our wants, and our fears, and our light, happy things, and our dark, sad things. May you hold them in your care. And may you fill us with your grace, we pray. And give thanks in Christ's name. Amen.